Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys AFL Fantasy Podcast. Today we are going through some points of difference. We are talking pods and which ones are the ones you want to start, which ones are the ones probably avoid. Let's go! Welcome to the Four Boys AFL Fantasy Podcast as we, you know, learn how to podcast for the first time ever. I'm your host, Mitch Casey, and you can find me on Twitter at Ball Boys Fantasy. And joined, as always, the uh, golden tonsils himself, Luke Rogerson. How are you, mate? We've done this so many times that we still just, like, can't consistently get it right, hey? Yeah, hey. well, you know. And just... I think it's your fault. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, yeah. You're looking fresh, by the way, mate. Those uh, new headphones are doing wonders yeah. for your complexion. Pro- probably, yeah. Just to give everyone some context, these, these, are the old, these are the old muffs that oh. Mitch was getting around in. The day, so, the day oneers. That's but... a guy who loves getting the headset on. Uh, <laughs> so we got him some new muffs and he's... Yeah, I feel ready. a bit bulkier than normal. I feel like I'm, oh, yeah, like yeah. you said, the, the Nova, Nova the guy. Nova guy. You look good, mate. And Thank you. Uh, you. I can see you're ready to spit some hot takes. So let's get into it, eh? Hot takes. And uh, we're going to try and go off the beaten path a little bit today. Now, we have talked about some of these guys, but some of these guys we haven't talked about just yet. Um, So today we are going to be talking about some point of difference players. All of these players are under 10% owned. We've got 10 guys we're going to go through. Um, They'll be in an order of such, but, you know, obviously we are still a bit, you know, far out. We're just ticked over into February now, so... um, Take the order with a pinch of salt. So, going to go through 10 players starting at number 10. Ollie Wines of the Port Adelaide Power, who currently is in 2.27% of teams in AFL Fantasy at the moment for a player who won a Brownlow, what was it, two years ago, three years ago? Um, He is coming in priced at an average of 77.7. He did play the 23 games last year, 29 years of age, 701,000. Your thoughts on old mate Squareface? (laughs) Lego head. Um, For me, Ollie Wines strikes me as one of those sort of inexplicable cases in in a little bit. You know how we always talk about the fact that we want to be able to to sell the narrative to ourselves of why something's happening? I I kind of find it hard to work out why Ollie Wines went from dominating Brownlow medalist to what we're seeing now. I know maybe there's like a slight reduction in this in the CBA percentage with obviously the rise of Butters and Rosie, but I can't sell myself on on that turning around because we know how good Butters and Rosie are. So for for me, it's it's a no. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts? Yeah, look, I, I've heard a lot of people talk about them being quite bullish on Ollie Wines, and there is a bit of reporting going on at the moment that he is moving back more into the midfield. He was a player who played 50% of the CBAs last season. However, yeah. their biggest 
CBA attendee last season was Connor Rosie, who was at 69%. So this is not a midfield where their top guys are going 80%. Um, These are players like Rosie, Butters, Horn Francis, Wines, Drew, a little bit on a lesser extent, uh, Boak last season, that all get a very semi-even slice of the pie. So if I throw it back over to you, like... Who do you see in the stoppage and in the CBAs more? Do you do you think he's getting ahead of a Butters or a Rosie? Like, is he higher than either of those guys? Well, this is the thing. I think if you asked any Port Adelaide fan, you said, oh, who do you, who do you want to be the future backbone of your midfield? Who's going to be leading the charge in your next premiership? I don't think many people are going to say Oli Wines. I think most people are going to go Butters and Rosie. So yeah. I, I feel like that would be the um, the story they're selling themselves at Port Adelaide as well. So I, ju- I just I can't sell myself on that one. Um, there, there's uh, other pods that we're about to talk about that I can uh, I can get on board, but I reckon. Yeah, I, I think I think I'm in a similar boat. He is at fifty percent CBS. I can see that coming up, maybe as high as sixty percent, but I don't think that's going to justify him jumping back up in price. What I can do is I can I think explain a little bit as to why he's fallen off over the last year or two. And it comes from the fact that Port Adelaide has dramatically changed their game style. In 2022, they were the third highest scoring team when it comes to fantasy points, um, and not very much behind number one and two. So in 2022, Geelong and St Kilda were the only teams that scored more fantasy points than them. Um, They averaged 1,581 fantasy points, but in 2023, they were... Bit of a drum roll. Dead last in AFL fantasy scoring for an entire team. So they went dead from, last with two relevant midfielders. Exactly. Is too, so, so they've got two guys at the top there, and the rest really shared it. Um, so uh, Port Adelaide went down from fifteen eighty one down to fourteen forty four. So they've lost over a hundred. What's that? A hundred and. 40 points, basically, from their team total. Yeah. Um, plus, you've got a rise of two other gun midfielders who have both jumped up their average by nearly um, you know, 20 points, essentially, themselves. So, those two things combined, I think it, it doesn't paint a good picture for a player like Ollie Wines. And plus, they went, they played good. Like, yeah, um, yeah. it worked for them. They were right up the top there when it came to the home and away season. Fell a little bit short in the, um, in the finals. But I think, like you said, if you're looking towards the future... Butters, Rosie, and even probably Jason Horn Francis as well. Like that's that's your midfield. You're, so. you're building around those three. Yeah, Wines is in there as a bigger body and inside guy, but he's not suddenly vaulting. Not up to at 80%. the expense of those guys. I don't think um, would would be my take. So, just like you, I am a big old. Fuck no! On Ollie Wines and uh, that's good. I like that. We've uh, any uh, Ted Lasso fans out there? We've added the Roy Kent. To the, the Roy Kent effect. Well, uh, you didn't like the Steve Carell. Well, we had a few comments saying that it was it's a bit long. And uh, what do you mean? Uh, yeah, I, don't, I can't understand it either. <laughs> the, but. the average podcast like just <laughs> vaulted when we had the Steve Carell. Yeah. So, but uh, now we have to put um, explicit tags on all our videos. But oh, you and fuck. I don't normally swear. Yeah, so no, shit, we can't. It's probably yeah. Damn it. Okay. Well, let's start this one again. We'll have to go with another cleaner one because you know. We don't, we don't swear on this podcast. I don't realise how ba- how potty mouth we are until I sometimes listen to us back and I go, oh, that's, I've got to get that out of my game. Uh, nah, <laughs> nah, you know what I say to that? Fuck no. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next player. So yeah, we're both not very keen on Ollie Wines and I don't really see myself budging from that one. However, you might be and I might be okay. a bit keen on this guy at number nine, Alex Witherden from the West Coast Eels. Explain oh, yourself. Well... I want to firstly say that I think I 
early on was a bit too dismissive of that West Coast backline and perhaps didn't do enough diligent research. But listening to the great uh, Statesman and then Holmesy on a recent mm. um, pod that they they did, I realised that I just need to pull my finger out and do a little bit more digging because I think that there's going to be somebody there that picks up some of the, the points left off by Hearn and... Maybe picking who that guy is could uh, go a long way to vaulting you up the rankings. Yeah, I, I absolutely believe that to be the case. And uh, there's a new feature. If anyone hasn't caught on as well, go over to dfsaustralia.com and there's a new feature that they've got there, which is their with or without Ooh, stats. What a good, that's a good feature. Uh, which is a great feature there. Mm. And if we plug in the with or without stats with Shannon Hearn, one of the biggest beneficiaries is Alex Witherden. Uh, with um, Shannon Hearn in the team, he averaged 77.6. Yeah. So his average, uh, his price at this this season is 78.4, but without Shannon Hearn, he averaged 84.9 plus. There are two, two games game, yes. in there in round 13 and round 15 where they also were without a bunch of their key yeah. defenders and yeah. Alex Witherden actually had to mark up, I believe one of them was on Buddy and one of them was on Tex Walker. Yeah, and luck, eh? We don't expect that to be his role yeah. a lot moving forward. So if you remove a couple of those games, he was probably closer to a 90 averaging player. Um, which when you're priced at around that sort of 77, 78 mark, a 90 average or even a little bit more than that... Could get you pretty close to that top six defenders. ...is, is a pretty good return. And someone yeah. doesn't have an early buy. Um, it's something to keep an eye on. Now, mm. I guess some of the questions that people might have, and I'll throw this over to you for your thoughts, like is he locked and loaded in their best 22 every single week? Because that's sometimes been his issue as a guy who maybe is a better fantasy football player than a real-life football player in terms of his decision-making. I get the feeling he is, especially with the the out of Hearn now as well. I think he'd have to be doing someone dirty to, to not get his spot there. Um, it, for me, there's a little bit of a question mark over where Duggan plays and how that influences yes. Witherden as well. So there's like obviously a little bit of talk that Duggan might be destined for a little bit more midfield time, which I think obviously would then point to with it and perhaps picking up some points. But then if Duggan um, is playing more across the back line, then there's an argument to be, be said that maybe he's the guy who picks up a little yep. bit of a bump. So I think for fantasy coaches, we probably prefer it to be with it and because he's cheaper. Yes, um, we But would. there are a couple of other names floating around there that, that may get the bump as well. So it'll be really interesting to watch, uh, watch them in the preseason. The other thing I'll say is... Um, he played 22 games last season. Like He was in there a fair bit. Yeah. Um, and that was with Shannon Hearn playing a bunch of those games as well. Yep. You lose Shannon Hearn. You've picked up... Have they really picked up anyone that's going to threaten his role in the team? I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. No. Um, but I don't believe that him playing 22 games, all of a sudden you lose a veteran like Shannon Hearn, a player like Witherden his role is worse than last year. So yeah. I, I feel like he's best 22. I actually, watching him last year in some games, I actually thought that he did a lot better of the stuff that he was heavily criticised for in previous seasons where I do think he was being a bit more like team-focused, defending a bit more one-on-one contests and things like that. And the fact that he's been willing to do those jobs where he's you know mashed up on someone like a buddy to me, bodes well for his chances to just stay in the team. So I personally am not super concerned about him saying locked into the side. Yeah. There have been some things on Twitter that maybe make me question that a little bit, but um, at the moment, like I still think he is someone that I'm pretty confident is going to be there around one and for most of the season. He's only 25 years old. Where, uh, and I don't want to talk about 
these guys in too much depth will never get out of here. But <laughs> obviously, some speculation about what Harley Reid's going to be doing yeah, um, throughout call. the year. Yep. So if, if he's, he's half back. playing off halfback, there could be a concerted effort to say, hey, let's get this guy. Like he, He's their poster boy. He's, that, he's that could be the one. They're yeah. pinning the season. So let's say he plays halfback. Um, where's Yo going to be playing? I, I even was doing some listening. Is it going to be like a Yo Reed sort of? Yeah, switch? I've heard that too. Switch. So, yeah. um, a few a few things up in the air, but there's going to be somebody getting some points at yeah. West Coast, yeah. and we want to know who it is. So. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo Fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every day, we rise. Challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol. Protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Speaking of the great yo-yo man himself, Elliot Yo comes in at number eight and... Uh, I'll be honest, man. He's not really someone I was considering when we were doing our early research, and our defenders were our first position that we looked at. And, yeah, and honestly, I kind of skipped over him uh, because something psychological about it. Don't um, you think it's there's something? But there's something psychological, but there's there's some real data to back it up. I will yeah. say. Um, but I've been listening to podcasts, and there's a bit of little bit of hype out there. Think for, about for how entrenched it, how entrenched he was in everyone's teams prior to. It. To the hamstring, yeah, he was. He, you know he I mean? was like, locked in there, and that hamstring—it was a hamstring, right? That he ruled uh, yeah, out yeah. at the start of the season. I'm pretty sure it was. Um, yeah, and and that was obviously something that probably saved us in the end. Um, yeah. But he is at six point two three percentage owned at the moment, six hundred thirty-three thousand price at an average of seventy flat. He's thirty years old. Reports are he's playing in the midfield, like you said. I have seen also reports that he's going to be rotating with Harley Reid off the halfback yep. and in the midfield. They've got a bit of a um, you know swap there. What, well, first of all, what what do we need to see from Elliot Yo? I don't know if comfortable is the right word because I don't know if you're ever going to be comfortable. But well, for, for you to launch into it, well, can I like if I put it this way? I don't you know at risk of oversimplifying it. If you can guarantee me that he's not getting injured, he's in my team. Like, yeah, is it that simple? Well, I think it is that simple. He's being he's guaranteed to be playing midfield, from what I've heard. Yes. And if we thought he was value last year, he's priced the same this year. So the the only thing for me that is is preventing us from getting straight into this is is the injury history. Yeah, I think, anyway. and 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 some people have floated this one out, and I'll get your thoughts because I, I do believe there's some merit to it. Um, that no, he plays for Essendon. Good one. That's a, that's a, it's the old classic. The old, yeah, you've got to go back to the well sometimes. <laughs> um, best 18 in four of the first six rounds. So say, for example, in round two, three, four, uh, five or six, yeah. he does come out ping a hammy in the first quarter. Mm. He's going to have a terrible score. Any year, that would be disastrous. Um, and this season, off. however, you've got the best 18, so his score potentially drops off. And you've got a few other chances at having a decent score if... 
you know, you're not well, worried about him. So do you, is that something that you're factoring in or, or taking into account that maybe just gives a little bit more of a nudge in his direction? I mean, it probably does. We shouldn't do this podcast because I can see myself walking out of here with 18 <laughs> pods in my team. Yeah. You just you can find a way to sell yourself on a lot of these guys, can't you? That probably brings up a good discussion point. How many pods can you have, oh, do you That's think? a good question. Um, look, what I try to do, and, and we are doing this Point of Difference podcast, personally, my rule is that pre-season, I don't want to look at percentages. I don't want to look at okay. ownership percentage. I want to make every decision based off every player's individual merit and their individual kind of don't. don't. He does play precedent. <laughs> uh, for everyone's individual talent and upside. And for me especially, I, I want to just remove that uh, ownership equation. Uh, it may be something that is a bit of a tiebreaker for me, um, but on a play like Elliot Yo, it can really be, it can be disastrous, really. Yeah, like, it, if, if you're thinking of like what could go wrong, if you're on that island alone, talk <laughs> about the Sherry Island last season, if you're on the Elliot Yo Island on yourself, like, you want, you're going to want some pre- pretty serious upside to yeah. take that risk. And personally, I don't know if I can do it. Um, if he comes out and just absolutely blitzes the preseason games and looks a million bucks. Maybe I consider it if other options I, um, you know, were also considering don't live up to what I expect them to be. But it would have to take something a fair bit for me to go there. I think it's a fair summary. We should move on to the next person. Fuck no! Not to you, but to uh, Elliot Yo. <laughs> All right, we still let's... don't have a fence sitting sound effect. Uh, we don't sit on fences here, mate. Uh, number seven here is one of the, a bit of a different price point to some of these other guys. This guy is by no means value. He is expensive, but what he is is Ooh. an absolute fantasy gun. Yeah. Rowan Marshall is the guy we're going to talk about next, and he is probably the highest owned of these guys, but at seven point nine percent. What is he, the third highest averaging player in the season last season, uh, last year? And no early buys. He's on that ruck line. Are we, like, is he the greatest Are pod this season him? as a guy who's a genuine captain option? You mentioned yeah. on the uh, ruck podcast, he only went under 100 like four times. Four times. That, that was the interesting thing. I think when, when people talk about paying up for rucks, like the, the general statement is, Are we paying up for English? Like, we can't forget that this guy, this guy has effectively done what English did last year. And like I said, English went on under 100 off the top of my head eight times. Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah more yeah. than Marshall. Yeah, super high floor, of course, for English. But like Marshall yeah. was right there with him. So, um, you know, if you are of the mindset of hey, I'll, I just want to pay up for my rucks, maybe you yeah. want to go like a, you were thinking of going an English um, Gorn combo or something yeah, like yeah. that. Maybe one high, one a bit more value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would definitely not talk somebody out of, of making a Marshall instead of English. Yeah, so I'll tell you one thing: he uh, there's no reports of him having migraines in the preseason. <laughs> he's, he's, he's locked in, laser focused. Is there any threat of um, someone like a Max Heath or a Jack Hayes or something like that eating into his role a little bit? Or is he one of those guys that's in the uh, the exclusive club that is Ross the Boss's uh, boys? Is he, is he in that group that he's just going to get whatever he can? I get that feeling. I, I don't feel as though Heath is going to come in and steal any time. The, Hayes won worries me a little bit because of Hayes' versatility to play forward. Let's say they pick Hayes, Hayes plays predominantly forward, but then in any given game, or mm. maybe Hayes gets a little bit more ruck time, suddenly that maybe lowers Marshall's ceiling a little bit because Marshall was doing it all himself. Everything, year, wasn't yeah. he? So yeah. maybe that's a valid point that you bring up. Um, it'd be interesting to see what they do with Hayes throughout the preseason. That might give us a little indication on that one. I, I personally and probably haven't looked down the Marshall road, but if you were one more of those a structure people, thing though, right? Like you're looking at those cheaper options. Is yeah, that, yeah. I mean, yeah. when have, since when have we had 
ruck options to maybe look at. That's yeah. the that's the thing. Um, I'm not personally doing it, but if you were looking at paying up, don't forget Ron Marshall. Yeah, hundred percent. I think I think if you are in that market for an expensive ruck, and if you are considering Tim English, by all means, I do think you should also consider Ron Marshall, whose ownership is considerably lower. Um, the next player here, I have seen in your team uh, here and there. I'm not sure if he's in there right now, but. Dylan Stevens of the North Melbourne Kangaroos, who previously was of the Sydney Swans. He is someone who um, I think is, is something to it. Only 2.4 percentage ownership. Yeah. And again, one of those cheaper guys under 500k at 496. What do we think about Dylan Stevens, and what do you expect his role to be in in this season? Well, I'm not 100 percent on on what the role will be, but you know, at the risk of sounding like a broken record, I love the fact that he comes from the Swans. I, I feel like the Swans yeah. have that culture, that template. That guys go there, they might not get an opportunity in the Swan State midfield, and then they take their skills somewhere else. So I've said that a couple of times. But for me, like he was in a trade to the Ruse. Like I'm, the Ruse wanted him, so yeah. th- I think there's a role there for him. And if that role involves a little bit of midfield time and some CBAs, I can see him going pretty well. Um, you know, we mentioned on our previous podcast, he's actually, since 2021, in when he's been playing in the VFL, um, has out, gone at 105 over over those two yeah. or three years. Yeah, so, yeah. I know he's played a bit of AFL in that time, so it hasn't, it's been sporadic yeah. bursts in the VFL, yeah. but to to do that over a three-year period, I, I think is pretty impressive. So, I'm, um, I'm really keen to see what he can do, and for his sake, I hope he goes well. So, he's coming off the back of a 1% CBA rate from the Swans last season, so... Try to get in that yeah. seat. Try to get in the Swans midfield, like, yeah, good just luck. Not, you know not I mean? going to happen. Callum Mills yeah. can't get in the Swans so, midfield. Yeah, if Callum Mills is playing off half-back, <laughs> uh, you've got no chance. So, obviously, that's basically fuck all in the midfield so you've definitely got a better chance over at North Melbourne um, so I can't see that doing anything but going up um, and like you mentioned he's got he's got a good scoring pedigree in the uh, the junior levels and um, and in the state league so like a top five draft pick or something I think I he think. was number five if I am correct there yes uh, round one pick five 2019 yeah. uh, that ability draft, doesn't so. just go away yeah I mean he's 23 years old so still young and um Look, he's averaged over a 12-game season in 2022, uh, 66, priced at 55. Mm. So, um, And yeah, playing in a club where he's probably higher up the pecking order, it, it what is one thoughts? to watch. What, yeah, what are your thoughts? Because you've heard mine. Well, I, I just don't know what his role is because I think what you're going to see is you're going to see LDU in the middle. I think George Wardle is probably going to be the second highest guy in the CBAs. How much... Like, there's a world where he's third. Like Sheasel. Sheasel, I mean, maybe it comes down to whatever, how healthy is Fisher. Like, is Fisher healthy? Maybe if Fisher's not there, Sheasel's still in that back line. Maybe, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm spitballing there. But that, that third, yeah. fourth, fifth midfield for me for the North is very open-ended, like Jai Simkin. You've got Sheasel, like you mentioned. Mm. Um Someone like Stevens. I wonder whether you, they just run a lot of guys at yeah. low, low percentage. Will Phillips. Um, mm. Who was their other draftee? That um, McKercher. McKercher. No, no, a couple of years ago. They, they've got a couple of guys that haven't really panned out yet, but they're still young enough that they're, they're going to continue to try and see what they've got there. Yeah. So it, it is a little bit up in the air, but again, it wouldn't surprise me if he comes out and he is like their third or fourth guy in the CBA rotation, but uh, I'm going to have to want to see it first, but definitely on my watch list and uh, he's cheap enough that you can have a punt on him. I want to ask you about the next guy because early on in the preseason, I know this guy actually spent a little bit of time at Mitchman. Yes, he did. I think it was more aspirational than anything, but yes. now maybe there's some confirms that Josh Rochelle might see a little bit more midfield time. What are your thoughts? Josh Rochelle, yes. Again, another player. I wrote the Decca DT for Josh Rochelle, and uh, 
don't think many people were very keen on him, but... I thought you were going to um, say, I don't think many people read it. <laughs> probably not either. Um, but he... I think what you're... So you're referring to, there's, there's been some quotes today to say that he is expecting to spend some more midfield time. Now, I haven't been able to find, I think, what you told me before the podcast, but what I've seen is that in an interview, I think it was on SEN, he was saying that he expects and or wants to be close to that 50-50 midfield forward split. And basically from the research that I did, in any games where he went over 40% CBAs, he was a 90-plus averaging player. And the first six games, he went an average, I think, of 91 um, average. And that was in uh, about 41% CBAs, which in this year's forward line, that's basically second only to Jack McRae um, and only second by like 0.2. So... If he is, in fact, that 40-plus, 50-plus percent CBAs, I think he is a genuine starting option. Like we said, for the ownership, I think he's about, if I'm just double-checking, he's about 6% uh, owned or 4% owned, actually, in AFL Fantasy. And um, from my eyes, I just think the Crows looked way more dynamic with him in there. They were 4-2 and two in yeah. those first six games when he was in there. And then they switched it up and they put Ben Keys in there to tag. And at the end of the year, they put in Matt Crouch and he never really got a look back in. So... Adelaide, it's, it's Adelaide's, very well um, Adelaide's midfield dynamic is just intriguing it's how so, that happened because it, it, yeah. you, you kind of assume, you know, 2023, 2024, that, that teams want to be explosive through the midfield. And Adelaide, the way Adelaide's season panned out is the complete they, opposite. Yeah, they yeah. kept making moves to almost make it less dynamic. But, yeah. um, you know, they were still playing reasonably good footy. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it is, it is interesting. But I think it, it, it's, I mean, it's super role dependent because we saw obviously the flaw when he wasn't playing that. CBA roles. Yes. You know, yeah, it could go killed, bad. Killed Ellie's team with that. Was it 27 or whatever he did? So uh, it can go bad if the role changes. And that is another thing that maybe concerns me is that obviously they switched it up last year at, you know, drop of the hat. And we might be dropping hat if we, uh, <laughs> if we haven't been our team. Nice, so. well done. Play some sort of uh, good sound effect. <laughs> I don't have one except oh. for this. <laughs> no, other was To myself. Um, but... Yeah, but definitely someone I'm considering because I think he's a bit of a jet. And uh, yeah, I think he is someone that we should definitely look at. We've got four more players to go through. And I'm going to group all four of these guys together because they're all from the same team, from the Hawthorne Hawks. Podthorn. Podthorn. <laughs> the Podthorn Hawks. Um, Josh Ward, Cam McKenzie, Connor McDonald, and Carl Amon. Um, now... Carl Amon's maybe a little bit different to those first three, but let's start with those first three because mm. the linchpin of this all being the case and all being a watch is Will Day has um, had a stress injury or a stress fracture. I can't remember didn't the wording. Do, didn't he have the sind or something? Or am I making shit up? No, I believe it was a stress fracture or a stress injury in his foot, I believe, or his Jeez. ankle. So, um, How do you get an injury in your foot from stressing? Mate, just that tapping under the table. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> just, it's just really, That's really bad. giving That's bad it. Stressing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we never, we never like to see stress injuries, particularly to feet. Obviously, they're, you know, you're on your feet, obviously, to play footy. Um, so not, not what Tristan Jerry thought, but no, he, he runs in his face. Yeah. <laughs> um, and some quotes recently have basically called into question if he's going to be there for the first four rounds. I don't think it's been confirmed that he's out for the first four rounds, but okay. the wording sort of made it seem like, well, don't be surprised if he's out for the first month of, of the AFL season. Right. So it's getting more positive for those other guys. Um, I think everyone's first thought is to go straight to Josh Ward because he had the most CBAs last season. Um, but... Cam McKenzie is the cheapest. He's also yeah. the one coming into his second season. 
Connor McDonald, I believe, has the highest scoring upside. If he if he was the one, if they all had, say, 60% CBAs, I think Connor McDonald scores the most. Okay. McKenzie and McDonald are both in our forward line, with Josh Ward being in our midfield. That is That does make a difference. Makes a big difference. Yeah. Yes. Um, first of all, who do you think is most likely to get the bump? And... Second, to follow up on that, is there someone that you are watching more close than the others, or is it all just kind of a mishposh? We're just watching these, this Hawks midfield because, I mean, I suppose that is the answer. But what are your thoughts on like the first one? Especially? Yeah, I don't mean to disappoint, but the, the honest answer is I, I don't know. Boo! <laughs> this is a podcast. Give us your hot takes, mate. Sorry for being honest. Um, yeah, it, it's up in the air. The, the thing that's interesting is... You mentioned, okay, Will Day potentially out to round four. Let's say it is he's confirmed out to round four. Yeah, let's go are on that you, assumption, yeah. Are you looking at this as like a four-week play? Like what, what, how, are you, how are you sort of framing this up in your mind? That's is a good it? question. In the midfield, no. I don't want it to be a, four, a so four-week play. if you play. pick Josh Ward. If I pick Josh Ward, I don't want it to be under the assumption that he's only getting the bump for the four weeks. In the forward line, however, with the... The lack of talent and yeah. the, also the, the option that we've got some players coming off their by, like a Sam Flanders in round three. Yeah, true. I'm more inclined to just take a punt, figure the rest out after the fact. Um, because I think my gut feel is that early in the season, I'm going to be using a lot of trades in my forward line. Um, just because... And again, this can all change if preseason comes around and then someone really puts their hand up and it's just an obvious grab. But yeah. at this stage, I don't feel super confident in many options at all. So if there is a short-term play with one of these guys, McKenzie or McDonald, even though McDonald's a little bit more expensive, I'm considering it because then maybe in four weeks I can flip them to a Flanders or something like yeah. that and ride the value for a little bit and um, and just do something a little bit more tricky. Um the other thing is, it's also in the back of my mind, is you give these young guns uh, like a foot in the door and things can change real quick. Oh, I yeah. hate to hate to pick on my boy Warple, but I, if, if Connor McDonald goes into that midfield and reports are that he has been playing in the midfield, I know it's preseason, everyone's playing in the midfield, which does make sense, but... Our good friend David King says that Mackenzie and... Our good friend. Yeah, David King, he's, he's the... AFL Fantasy Journal of the, the Year so far. This guy gets around but to every he's not club. our good friend. Yeah, he's, he's my good friend. Oh, you? Sorry. <laughs> no, sorry, I'm kidding. I don't know if you introduce me sometime. Or? Uh, yeah, maybe if you're good. Um, uh, he, he says they're looking good and I think that they're, they're going to be second out if they perform the way I think they can perform to someone like a Warple. So will they coming back might actually push someone else out than those guys who get that opportunity. That's just my thinking. But... Does that weigh anything to you, or are you sort of not as keen as I am? No, I, I'm a wait and see. Wait and see. Just, yeah, cards on the table. I'm a wait and see. I don't, I don't have anything on so it. Of, so, of those guys, um, Connor McDonald is 3% owned. Cam McKenzie, which really surprised me, 1% owned. Okay. He's only 439000 Like He's priced at fifty um, For a guy who, I believe, again, top 10 draft pick... Um, was in the midfield a little bit at times, few sub-affected uh, games. Um, he's bloody cheap. And um, who's the other guy? Ward is sitting there at uh, 0.7%, under 1% owned, which, again, surprises me because of the injury that we know has happened to Warple. So I'm watching all of those guys with that role. Injury today. 
injury today. What did I say? Warple. Warple. Oh. You just want that to happen. <laughs> you, you prick. I'm sorry, Warple. I really do love you, mate. Um, let's talk about the other guy, the last one of these uh, Hawthorne yeah. uh, Hawks. Now, this Carl, guy I do Carl have Amon. an opinion on because yes. what we saw at the end of the year from Carl Amon was ridiculous. Yes. So massive, he's massive scores. Effectively gone at one ten, you know, over the last five after moving back to that halfback flank. So there's a couple of things at play, and we talked about this on a previous podcast. Is yep. we probably expect Hawthorne to go a little bit more direct, but my kind of opinion there is that that affects more Sicily than it would Amon. Like if, if you want to go direct, well, you get the ball in Amon's yeah, hands because yeah. he breaks the lines. Yeah. I imagine his meters gained in those. Um, games were reasonable as well. I think there was a little bit of chipping around, so caveat on that. I think there was a bit of chipping around that maybe inflated those scores. Um, yeah, so but, if you're going to go in and expect... Well, I mean, um, I'm just bringing up his last five average here, which yeah. was astronomical. Uh, it was 114 in the last five. Yeah. If you're going in and expecting that, I think you're going to be disappointed. Yes, I think but that's, that's not. To that's not to say that he's not a good pick still. Even if he goes, you know... 15 points less than that. Like that's a 99 average. That's a top six defender. Yeah. And if he is, he's mid only right now, but if he is in that role, he's going to get defensive status. So that's it. If I, if I see that role and I see something that's confirmed, yep, we want him in that role. It's going to be hard even without the defender status, I think, not to pick him. Like when I look at my midfield there, he's, he's M5. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at guys before him, Butters, Steele, LDU. I don't. It does. It's not so far fetched in my mind to imagine a world where, in that role, Carl Amon could average the same amount as LDU. So, if I think yeah. that I'm picking LDU as a guy who I think could potentially be valuable, Amon's a hundred thousand dollars cheaper. Yeah, he's under eight hundred k. I know I'm. I'm perhaps you know connecting a few too many dots and being a little bit generous here, but I just think that there's something to it if he's in that role. Yeah. Um, maybe um, it leaves a dirty taste in your mouth because you're, you're picking a guy in the midfield that you're expecting not to play midfield. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one because um, we've, we've kind of faced some of these questions before in like a Jaden Short, but but Jaden Short was more expensive than this. Like he was priced in the low 90s, um, mid 90s, I think from memory last season when we had a similar kind of conversation. He's even cheaper. I think he's like mid 80s is his price stat tag. So um, he's got a bit more scope to get to that upside and a bit more value. And if I look at the Hawthorne run as well, they come out uh, against uh, Essendon, Melbourne, Geelong, Collingwood, Gold Coast, and North Melbourne, all of which I would not describe any of them being particularly difficult matchups for defenders. Um, uh, there's no St. Kilders or uh, Bulldogs in there, which were the two friendliest matchups last year, but you like they're all solid. I don't think any of them really um, you know, make you concerned. First three games are at the MCG. So, look, I like it. He's been training with my team. He's not there right now, but it is one to watch. The last thing I do want to touch on is that game style that you mentioned. Mm. I'll throw a stat your way. In the last five games of the season, Hawthorne's meters gained per disposal was 13.9. So um, to give that a bit of reference, the uh, the Port Adelaide Power had 18.3. The next Lowest was Fremantle at 14.9, so a whole metre more, which is yeah. a fairly different jump. And um, someone like a West Coast was 15.5. So just playing they, backwards they, gear going they were They were by far and away the lowest metres gained um, per disposal team. If I compare that to their full season, they were still dead last, but they were a full metre uh, better than, than they were those last five games. So I do think... To really emphasise, he's not going 114. Yeah. So in the pre in the preseason game, watch the role, but 
definitely watch Hawthorne's game style because yeah. that's going to give you the indication. Is that are we are we going quick? Are we um, you know hat kicking out a stoppage? What what are we doing there? And if we see, hang on, this is this is not going to be conducive to scoring, then we probably have to put our hands up and say, yeah. Well, and and you think players at teams, no matter you know where you expect them to be on the ladder, those first few games. They're going to be some of your more aggressive games of your season. Like well, It's normally not till you know, okay, we're not going anywhere this yeah. season, that you kind of pack up shop. establish you, game style. Yeah, exactly. So that's the only thing that makes me hesitant is like we want him to start well. Yeah. Does that mean, you know, in the role that he's in, that maybe they are a bit more direct, especially early in the season? But we'll see. We'll see how it looks in the preseason games. So uh, those are our pods. Under 10% for all of them. A lot of them really low, under 5% for the most part. Let us know if you have any other ones that you think we have forgotten. Try to touch on some new names, but also some names where we had some more news to talk about there. So drop them down in the comments if you've got anyone else you want to chat about. Anything before we close it out, Luke? Nah, mate. Finish it up here. All right, guys. Thank you very much for listening. If you are, yeah, yeah, make sure you subscribe if you are enjoying our podcast. Uh, We have got plenty more coming up this preseason. Preseason games are very close and around the corner, guys. Um, Nearly less than a month, just over a month till uh, round zero. So. Not too much longer yet, guys. It's going to be a quick preseason, so drop that thumbs up, drop that five-star rating and review, and we will see you guys next time. Bye!